You are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, Mercy's Work, is part four in the series, The Afters, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. Well, it's already been a great time of worship together. I want to ask you at this time to please find in your Bible the book of Psalms, And find the 51st, Psalm 51. Uh, You know, the book of Psalms is uh, really a collection of the songs that uh, God's people would sing in worship. And there are 150 tracks in this collection. Uh, I believe that Psalm 51 would definitely be on the Greatest Hits album. It's one of the best. It's one of the most relatable relevant uh, chapters in all the Bible, and uh, we're turning there for the fourth Sunday in a row. We're going to finish this up and begin something new next week. Out of the 150 Psalms, uh, this one is so relatable because it comes after King David committed a series of horrible sins. And really, it's a prayer. It's one of those songs that is a prayer. It's a very personal prayer for King David. Uh, He writes it in the first person over and over again. He says, it's my sin, cleanse me, I am guilty. And uh, so it's a very personal prayer. But on the other hand, it's a prayer for everybody. I think it's one of those Uh, prayers that God gives us in Scripture so we can give it back to Him. And I know that I have many, many, many times before. And so it's a prayer for all of us because uh, we've all been where David was when he wrote it. And that is on the other side of a big mistake, on the other side of a sin, desperate for God's forgiveness. And this is just, we're going to read it again like we have in the last few weeks. It's an honest confession of sin that God has given to us as a model for what we do after we sin. And so uh, would you look at the beginning of this uh, psalm before the text of verse 1? You're going to see what's in the original Hebrew text there. It's normally in small letters in the Bible. Uh, And it says here, to the chief musician. So David gave this to his worship leader and said, put a tune to this so that everybody can sing it. And it says, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. So uh, this is what we've been talking about all month long is that we know what to do in the befores of life. Before temptation comes, before the pressure's on to sin, before we're in the heat of the moment in temptation, uh, we know what we ought to do in the befores. We ought to guard our hearts before. We should pray for strength before. We ought to put on the armor of God before and And obey God's word before. But the question is, what do we do in the afters? After we fall, after we sin, after we fail to live up to God's standard and we give in to temptation, what do we do after? 
For David, the situation was after he had a sinful relationship with a woman named Bathsheba. The backstory is horrible. Uh, it begins with David in an unguarded moment, a foolish moment, when he begins to lust after this woman, Bathsheba, and uh, using all of his influence and authority as king, he summons her to his chambers. After he gets what he wants, he sends her home. A little while later, Bathsheba contacts him and said, David, I'm pregnant. And David immediately begins to try to cover it up. And so he, he gets her husband off of the battlefield, home on leave, to try to frame him for uh, this situation so that it looks like he's the father of the baby. When that doesn't work, David does something even more awful, and that is he sends a note with Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, back to the battlefield to hand to his commander. It turns out it's a kill order. Put Uriah in the hottest part of the battle where he will surely die. And that's what happens. And in that way, David murders Uriah. And then, to make matters even worse, David takes Bathsheba into his home and calls this baby his own so that it looks like David is being the good guy. This goes on for the better part of a year, this cover-up. And finally, God sends the prophet Nathan to go to David. Nathan confronts David with his sin. And finally, in his first honest moment since all this began, David says, I have sinned. And that statement, that honest confession leads to a fuller confession that we read in Psalm 51. And so this story and the prayer song that came out of it, uh, it's not just about what happened one time, it's about what happens every time. Every time we sin and then we try to cover it up and we try to conceal it, we try to justify ourselves what happens every time is that God will eventually bring it to light. And when he does, we are faced with the decision. Will I humble myself and confess it to God and turn to him for help? Or will I run from God and hide it? And the Bible says that when we hide it, Psalm 32, it will break us. And damage is done in our souls. David shows us in Psalm 51, and I'm so glad he did, that the only path to forgiveness and healing and restoration is completely owning our sin and bringing it to God. And this relates to every person in this room, doesn't it? We've all been there. And the only path to forgiveness and cleansing and restoration is we own it and we bring it to God. That's called repentance. So let's read it uh, from Psalm 51, beginning in verse 1. Here's David's prayer. He prays, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. 
Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Now, the first two words of this psalm set the tone for everything else David says. The first two words are have mercy. David says, have mercy, O God. Now, what does that mean? What was David hoping for when he prayed for mercy? What did David want to happen if God were to grant his request and give him this mercy? What does mercy do? And what we find in this psalm is that when God has mercy, three things happen. Number one, when God has mercy, he cleanses us from sin. He cleanses us from sin. Now, God would have every right to hold our sins against us forever. He could do that. God would be justified if he just kept and posted an ugly record of our sins and reminded us of all the sins we've committed every day. God would be justified in doing that. Uh, we're the sinners. He's the one that we've rebelled against. We've violated his law. We've stepped over the line, done what he said uh, that we should not do. We've offended him with our sin, not the other way around. And so it would be totally justified if God made us carry around the guilt and the shame for our sins for the rest of our lives. Reminds me of the novel that I had to read in school called The Scarlet Letter. Have you ever read that? It's by Nathaniel Hawthorne. It tells the story of this woman named Hester Prynne set in the 17th century. Uh, she was found guilty of committing adultery and she had a baby. She wouldn't tell who the father was, but it was not her husband's. 
And so she was sentenced to wear a, a scarlet, a red letter A on her clothing for all to see for the rest of her life. So that everybody who saw her would be aware of the sin that she committed. A for adultery. God would be justified in making some of us wear a scarlet L for liar so that everyone would know and making us carry that for the rest of our lives. God would be justified if he made some of us wear a scarlet S for stealing or a scarlet H for hypocrisy. Uh, He would be justified in doing that, making us wear the guilt of our sin forever. But instead... God, in his heart of mercy, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to go to the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. And on the cross, Jesus took all of the scarlet letters of our sins upon himself. And he suffered for each and every one. And he died in our place so that what David prayed in verse 7 could be true for us. Purge me from my sin and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. That's our God. When God has mercy, He cleanses our sin. Now the Eastern religions teach uh, the principle of karma. And karma says that whatever bad thing you do, whatever sin you commit, you're going to be guilty of that and accountable for that, and you have to carry that until you can make it right. You have to be reborn, reincarnated over and over and over until you make amends for your sins and you finally get it right. And the sins just pile on and layer after layer. And the truth is, it's hopeless. This karma, you'll never get rid of that. But that's not what God's truth teaches us. God doesn't treat our sin like bad karma. Instead, once for all, he took all of our sins, all of them, and placed them on his son. And he judged the Lord Jesus, though he was innocent, for all of the sins that we have done. And when Jesus died and rose from the dead, what happened to our sin is that they are carried away. They are gone forever. And if we place our faith in him, then he washes us whiter than snow. And our sins are cleansed. They're cleansed. And so when God has mercy on us, he cleanses our sins. And then a second thing that this psalm bears out is that that when God has mercy on us, he withholds judgment. He withholds judgment. That's why David said in verse 4, God, uh, when you... If you were to judge me for my sin, you would be just in doing that. Uh, You would be right to judge me for breaking your law, for rebelling against your authority, for violating the boundaries you've laid out for me. You would be right to hold me accountable for that and to judge me for that. In in verse 5, David prays, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. I think that was uh, his way of saying Uh, Lord, you and I both know I'm a natural-born sinner. 
This, is, this sin that I've committed, this is not just a blip on the screen. It's not just an anomaly where I can say, oops, how in the world did that happen? That's never happened before. You and I both know, Lord, I am a sinner. This is, this is what I'm prone to do every day. And so you would be right in judging me. But an amazing, listen to me, an amazing thing happens when you confess your sin and bring it to God. And that is, he withholds his judgment. He withholds his judgment. That is his heart of mercy. I was trying to think back at when I first understood what mercy is. And uh, here's, here's what I came up with. When I was a kid... Uh, we played a game called Mercy. Has anybody ever played Mercy? Some of you my age know what I'm talking about. And uh, Michael Love, would you come up here and, and help me just for a minute? Come on up here, Michael. Um, in the game of Mercy, what you do is you face off with your opponent. Guy, little boys did this a lot. You face off with your opponent. You And maybe this is a bad choice because... <laughs> You're a guitarist, and you're, all the strength is in your hands. But what you do is you face off with your opponent. You lock hands like that. And then you try to bend your opponent's hands back. And the, the first person who says the word mercy loses. The other person is the winner. Right? So uh, let, let's just play a game. I challenge you right now. Go. Are you going? I'm, yeah, I'm going. What are you talking about? <laughs> Give it all you got. Go. All right, mercy, 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 mercy. Wow. Now, uh, Michael, my, my older brother, I don't know why I let him talk me into playing mercy all the time. He's four years older than me, stronger than me. And every time I would be the one to say mercy. And then he would go beyond that and put me on the ground. Anyway, and, and I'd be writhing in pain. That's not how it's supposed to work. The way the game works is that when I say mercy, what I'm acknowledging is you're bigger than me. You're stronger than me. You could hurt me. You could put me in the dirt and cause me a lot of pain. Uh, but I'm asking you, please don't do that. Uh, I'm asking you to withhold what you could do to me and instead, have mercy. And when you release, what you're saying is, yeah, I could do all that, boy. I could, <laughs> I could hurt you, but I'm going to withhold what I could do, and I'm going to let you go. Right? You guys give Michael a hand. Thank you. Now, uh, I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but as a kid, I did put this together when I would play that game and I knew what it meant to cry mercy and what was supposed to happen when you did that. And then when I heard that word at church, uh, here is what I learned. When I would sin, I knew what God could do to me. 
I knew that God, because of my sin, he could judge me. He could overpower me. He could break me. He could punish me. But God's heart and God's promise is mercy for those who come to him in honest confession and real repentance. And what he does is that when we cry for his mercy and we own our sin and we bring it to him, he withholds what he could do. And in place of that, he forgives and he loves and he restores. That's mercy. And that is why Jesus came, isn't it? To suffer the judgment of God that we deserve. Jesus took it all. He he completed that task on the cross. He finished that work on the cross where he took all of the wrath of God that you and I deserve so that now when we place our faith in him, we can cry for mercy and count on the fact that when God gives us his mercy, he cleanses us from sin, he withholds his judgment. And then a third thing, and to me this is the sweetest one of all, is that he restores us to usefulness. He restores us to usefulness. Isn't that what David prayed for in, in verse 12? He said, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. In verse 14, he said, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will show forth your praise. What David is, is praying for is, Lord, have mercy on me so that I can serve you again. And so that I can sing for you again. Lord, I just want to be useful again in your kingdom. And so what we see in this psalm is that after God had mercy on David, two things were restored to him. Uh, first is that he, he, he got his song back, worship that came from a broken and mended heart. David's lips had been sealed by sin. And when he confessed and repented, his lips were opened again to sing to the Lord and to lead others in worship. Here's an amazing fact. Scholars believe that of the 73 Psalms that David wrote, 42 of them were written after he sinned with Bathsheba. And God restored him. I'm convinced that after God healed David's heart, after God cleansed him, that what David sang and what David wrote was from a deeper place of worship than before that happened. Many of you know what I mean because that's your story. You would say before, the songs were just words. And I knew the words were true. Words like saved and redeemed and mercy. But now, after what I've been through, and after what God has forgiven in me, and after how God has restored me and given me my joy back and my song back, now uh, I, I look back at, at what sin had damaged and how sin had broken me and how God had mercy on me and cleansed me and mended what sin did in my heart. From my heart now, 
the worship is deeper and the praise is just sweeter. That's what happened in David's life. God gave him his song back when he repented. And he opened David's lips to sing his praise. I think it came from a deeper place than ever before. Now, let me just say this about that. If you don't like the songs that we sing in worship, if you stand through the songs and you think, well, that music doesn't move me. I I really am not into it. Um, Could it be that you need to check your heart Because David prayed in verses 7 and 8, Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. Maybe there's joy and gladness going on in this room and you don't get it. You're not hearing it because of something in your life that should not be there. And what you need to do is go to the Lord and say, Lord, open my heart up again. Help give me my song back. Lord, all these other people are rejoicing and praising you. What's wrong with me? Is there something in my life that is not right? It could be that you're not getting in on the joy and the gladness of our worship because of some sin in your life. I have good news for you. We have a God whose heart is merciful. And if you'll come to him in faith and repentance, here's what he'll do. He'll he'll cleanse your sin. He'll withhold his judgment and he will make you useful again. A second thing that David got back is service that came from a testimony of grace. Verses 12 and 13 again. David said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. And watch this. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Here's what's going on. David wants to teach others what it means to walk with God. You say, well, how does that work? David made such a big mistake. I think David is saying, Lord, I've got a story to tell that I think can help people. If you'll cleanse me and make me useful again, I'm going to be able to tell people, listen, I know what it's like to get off the right path. I know what it's like for your life to be a wreck. I know what it's like to make the big mistake and then to call out to God and receive his mercy and for God to put you back on that right path again. I know what that feels like. And if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. I think David is saying, Lord, now it's going to be different. My service for you now is going to come from a place of humility and gratitude. I'm not going to be as judgmental. I'm not going to be as impatient, Lord. I'm going to be, I'm going to be more gracious and merciful like you. Now I have experienced that. I have a testimony of hope when you fail and grace that restores I have a story to tell about how God reached down to this sinner and he had mercy on me. And I think that idea of usefulness was so important for David at this point. God, I just want you to use me again. Can you take what's happened in my life and what you've done and this testimony you've given me and use it to help somebody else? God, that's what I'm asking you to do. And I think there are some people in this room who would say, I don't think God could ever use me again. 
Not after what I've done. Not after how I've failed. Not after that big embarrassing mistake that ruined my reputation. I don't think God can use me again. I'm just going to have to sort of sit it out until I go to heaven. But can I tell you today, even if you're wearing your past sins around like an alphabet of scarlet letters, there is mercy for you. And God still has a plan to use you. God's not finished with you yet. You may have given up on God using you. God hasn't given up on you. In fact, He can turn. Uh, I love this saying. I wish I'd thought of it. God can take your mess and make it your message. And He can take that place where He has restored you and healed you and cleansed you and use that as a platform to tell people that there is hope in Jesus. God's not finished with you yet. And that's the truth. Will you stand with me and I want us to have prayer together. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I, I want to pray for anyone here or watching us online who just finds themselves today in need of your mercy. And like David, just praying, Lord, have mercy. Some, Lord, have never before come to you and taken that first step and said, Lord, I am lost in my sin. I know what I deserve. I'm trusting in Jesus and what he did on the cross to forgive me and save me. And as we pray, if that's you, why don't you just call out to the Lord in a prayer like that? I'm lost. God, have mercy on me because of what Jesus did. Save me now. Forgive me now and come and live in me. And as we're praying, Lord, I know that there are others here today who are not doubting their salvation. But Lord, they are not in good fellowship with you. There's something there holding back their praise, holding back their involvement, their usefulness in your kingdom. And Lord, all of us know what this is like. We know what needs to happen. To come to you in prayer and just own it and bring that to you for forgiveness. And God, I pray as that happens all over this room right now. Lord, we, we don't just want the sin to go away. We want you to fix where that's coming from. Dig down deep, we pray. Help us, Lord, to be holy and righteous before you. God, for that person who feels that you can't use them anymore, I pray you'd renew 
their hope today. Be merciful, Lord. Restore them to usefulness in your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.